And, and th- this, this idea came as something I saw online, and, and some of what we learn will come from that. Uh, not a lot of us, some will. The idea of this series is that sometimes we can be ugly. Amen? Sometimes we can be ugly as individuals. Sometimes we can be ugly as the church. It reminds me of something that Wayne Smith said several years ago. He said he never saw an ugly bride. Had a few close calls, but uh, never saw an ugly bride. And while the bride of Christ is a beautiful thing, sometimes we're, we can be kind of ugly, really. And, and as the bride of Christ, we've got to do better, especially this time of year. When people are searching for hope, when people are open to the idea of Jesus, when people are open to the idea of and be as beautiful as we can possibly be uh, as the bride of Christ. And so Jesus came 2,000 years ago so that our ugliness could be replaced with his righteousness. And that's a beautiful thing. Maybe you've seen, have you ever seen something that's so ugly it was cute? You know what I'm talking about? And, and sometimes, like, uh, if you do an online search of ugly dogs, uh, if you've not seen them, you're in luck today. I've got a few participants on the screen for you. Uh, I don't know whether, you know, you, you look at those things. And, and this one on the far right, that looks demonic, you know. And when I, when I see that, I'm thinking of the movie All Dogs Go to Heaven. I don't think that one does. You know, and, and, and can you imagine just like having that dog around your house and, and, and your call? I mean, what do you even name it? Like? Here is the winner. This one took first place uh, in the competition and uh, in the ugly dog competition. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. This one was a close second, so uh, uh, I've never pictured myself as a wiener dog before, but that's kind of, anyway, sermon over, we're done. Aren't you glad that, you can go ahead and get those off the screen if you want, Uh, aren't you glad that when God looks at us, He doesn't see ugly, um, even though we're sinners, even though on our best days we're far from perfect, when He looks at us, He sees us as perfect. He sees us as righteous. I'm thankful the ugliness of our sin. But I think some people abuse that. See, it doesn't give us an excuse to go out and do what we want to do so that God's grace can cover our sin. I think sometimes we as Christians abuse that. But God does see us as righteous, um, because of what Jesus did for us. And that's the whole purpose he came 2,000 years ago. And so we want to make sure that God does cover our ugliness. And um, too often, I think the, the busyness of Christmas um, tends to weigh down our lives. And, and sometimes it can sap the joy uh, out of our, our hearts and our, our minds. Sometimes Christmas is the most difficult time for people. I know there are people right now, um, you know, I was just thinking of Todd as he was giving our, the communion meditation, kudos for that, for him doing that, we, he just said, and some people get depressed during this time of year, and it's just really, really a difficult time, and sometimes the joy of Christmas and the happiness of Christmas gets lost in a lot of the other things that are going on, but I don't want, sometimes circumstances can, can derail us, but what I don't want to happen is I don't want the ugly thoughts 
and the ugly words and the ugly to uh, snuff out the light that God wants us to have in our lives. I don't want it to rob us of our joy. And sometimes this time of year can bring out the ugly in people. Uh, honestly, I went a few places yesterday shopping. And if you don't think this time of year can bring out the ugly in people, you just go shopping. And that'll teach you patience for sure. Uh, but this Christmas, if you struggle in some of these areas of, of, of having ugly thoughts and actions and attitudes and, and motives, would, would you consider, you know, will you commit to the fact that the only ugly thing that you put on this Christmas is a sweater and not your thoughts and your actions and your motives and your attitudes. Um, today we're st- focusing on our thoughts because this is where it all starts. Most of the ugly things that happen in our lives, most of the ugly things that we do, they start in our about. And so the battle begins with the mind. And if you have your outlines in front of you, that's the first point today. The battle begins in the mind. I think one of the hardest parts of Christmas every year is when we start to decorate the tree or we decorate the outside of the house and we pull out the lights that we had the previous year. And when you pull out the lights that you had the previous year and you plug them in, what normally happens? They don't all work, right? And, and sometimes it's just that one stupid little bulb that doesn't work that causes the rest of them not to work. And we have to find which bulb it is. And sometimes we even have to untangle the wires and maybe even change a fuse like I had to do the other, the other day. I had too many lights plugged in together. Have you ever done this I had like eight strands of lights and so I plug it in and they all go out so I had to change the fuse just my little help to you no additional cost today don't plug them all in at the same time because you will blow a fuse and sometimes you have to our minds we have to rewire our minds we have to train the way that we think and it's not an easy process sometimes And sometimes it can take a lot of time. Some of us have done things a certain way for so long that it just becomes our nature. It's it's our default setting. But we have to figure out what is it in our thinking that needs to change or what is it that needs to be replaced in our minds in the way that we think so that my life would work in a way that honors him. How can my thoughts, how can my actions, how are those things working together? Because they are wired together, right? Whatever you think in your heart, so, so are you. That's what uh, the writer of Proverbs said in chapter 23, verse 7, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, right? And so it starts in our minds the way that we think. He closes his letter in, in chapter 4 by saying these following words. And I've, I've noticed, and, and, and I do this, I think sometimes, some of the most important things that we want to say to people, we kind of leave it toward the end, right? We want that final, that lasting impression. If we're sending an email, writing a letter, or a card, or a text, or something like that. We, you know, we, we kind of put the most important things out there. And this is what Paul is doing to the church at Philippi. He wants the church to know that starting in verse So he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men because the Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. Boy, that's a a message we all need to hear this, this time of year, isn't it? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving in your minds in Christ Jesus. And I don't know if you've noticed this before, but Paul's not really making a suggestion here. He's not saying, hey, you know what, when you get around to it, you might want to think about rejoicing. You know, if you feel like it, go ahead and rejoice. 
He's not saying that. He's, it's a command. He's saying, rejoice in the Lord always. It really isn't up for discussion. And understand, Paul is aware of all the reasons that cause them to be anxious. He's aware of everything in their lives that could cause them to not want to rejoice and be full of joy. The reasons why they might want to grumble. The reasons why they might want to complain or be frustrated or even be dismayed with things that are going on in their lives. And the truth is, we often sometimes have these same kinds of feelings. And these feelings affect the way that we think. Hear somebody and they say, oh, just trust your feelings. No, don't trust your feelings. Because your feelings leads to a stupid way of thinking. I do it all the time. It leads to a silly way of thinking. And then that spills out into your actions. And the truth is, God wants us to rewire that. Sometimes our feelings make us anxious. Sometimes our feelings make us weary. Sometimes our feelings make us doubt. Sometimes they make us want to give up. And this all starts in the mind. You can rewire your mind. You can think a different way. You can replace the old bulb so that you can shine for Jesus. You can put in a new one and, and fix the problem. Here's how you do it. We need to rewire our minds. That's the second point in the message. And this is how we do it. This is what Paul says we need to do. He says, finally, bust. Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Think about these things. Paul is letting the church at Philippi know in this passage of Scripture, he's letting us know today as well, that we can choose what we think about. Now, we can't always choose what pops into our brain, but we can choose what we dwell on. Whatever's right, whatever's pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. These are the things that you need to be thinking about. And of all the things during Christmas, what is the most true? What's the most noble? What's the most right? The purest, the loveliest, the most admirable, the most excellent. What's the most praiseworthy thing that we can think about during Christmas? So much. If we could just discover that one thing, then maybe, just maybe our thoughts would be a little better. And it might improve our actions. And it might help to transform you from being ugly sometimes into being a little more attractive to non-Christians. Maybe some of the things that we're thinking about, um, they won't spill out into our actions. Maybe we'll think about them a little longer before we do okay. that. I do that sometimes. I say things that I shouldn't say, and, and we need to rewire our brains. And this is absolutely incredible when you stop and think about it. The most true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent thing, most praiseworthy news that was ever given in the history of the world was first given to a bunch of ugly people. Shepherds were looked down upon. They were the ugliest. They were, they were the low man on the totem pole in society. And that is who God chose to give this most excellent and praiseworthy news to. Listen to what it says in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. That night... There were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. 
the Savior. Yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Now, I don't know what I would be thinking about. If I was a shepherd out in the field that night, I, I don't know what a, would have been going through my mind being a shepherd. I'm so tired of being looked down upon by society. Nothing out here exciting. Nothing exciting ever happens out here except maybe the occasional wolf, you know, but just nothing all that exciting. My life stinks. I don't make much money. I don't get invited to go places with people. This is a dead-end job. And all of a sudden, the most pure, the most lovely, the most excellent, the most praiseworthy news is brought to these lowly shepherds. And it changed their lives forever. And the way it was delivered was amazing. You know, it, it's not like it was sent in a group text or an email. It was angels coming from heaven declaring that the Messiah has been born. It can change your hearts. It can change your minds because the Messiah has come to rescue the world from the ugliness of sin and all of the evil that is in the world. And this is what the shepherds began to focus their minds on and this is what we need to focus our minds on. This is the most excellent thing we can think about. The Jews had been longing for the Messiah for centuries. They were hoping for the day when the government, but when the Messiah finally got here, they missed the fact that he came to set them free from the bondage of, of sin and death, not the bondage of the Roman government. And God gave the Jewish people not what they wanted, but he gave them exactly what they needed. And he gave the shepherds that same thing. And he gives that same thing, everything we need. And because of Jesus, we have this opportunity for all the ugliness in our lives that's caused by sin to be erased. And we can never forget that. And that's what Christmas is about. And if nothing else happens this Christmas season, remember that. Because I've heard a lot of this, and you have too. You've heard it on the news. It's been plastered on Facebook and about Christmas not being Christmas because uh, we're not able to get the gifts that we want that you want. Is sitting on a boat out in the ocean somewhere. And I don't want to get all political on that. Don't take it that way. All right? But if your Christmas joy is tied to whether or not you get little Johnny the wowee pink fong baby shark doll, you got a picture of that? Yeah. yeah. If that's what your joy is tied to, if that's what Christmas is tied to, you can't have Christmas because you can't get your kids what you want, then you need to rewire what you're thinking about and understand the greatest gift that you can give your kid is the story of Jesus. The psalmist says in chapter 103, verse 2, Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The writer of Psalms is reminding himself to be grateful. He's reminding us to be grateful. To come in and crowd out the things of God, the things that get into our brain that we've got no business even thinking about. And the psalmist is keeping himself basically from being an ugly Christmas sweater and remembers all of the beauty of God that's available through Christ. Don't you just love what he says at the end of this verse? Forget not all his benefits. A couple of weeks ago, in fact, I want to revisit last Sunday a little bit. Um, 
with the final point of our message because I think the way that we rewire our brains, the way that we transform our minds is by living a life of thankfulness, living a life of gratitude. Sometimes we think, man, once we get all the things that we that we want, then we can finally be happy. We can finally be joyful. Or once things start making more money. And that's backwards thinking. And we need to rewire. We've got to get better at reminding ourselves of all of the incredible things that God has already given us. And we can rejoice in each and every circumstance. Some of the most miserable people that I know personally have the most things. How many people do fix everything and then their lives are absolutely ruined? And the flip side of that is some of the happiest people I know, they don't have two nickels to rub together and they don't even know where their next meal's coming from. Some people don't even realize what they have. Some people just got so much stuff they don't even know. Tampa, Florida. He committed a spur-of-the-moment robbery. He's on his way home from a late-night drinking session at a bar. Very inebriated. Mr. Prendergast forced his way into his house. He goes in to the house, goes in the upstairs window. He's filling his suitcase with cash and valuables. Before he leaves the house, he sets the living room rug on fire to cover his tracks. He escapes through the back door. He made his way home. He's laughing all the way about what he had just done. It's then that he realized that he broke into his he was so drunk that he broke into his own house, stole his own stuff, and set his own house on fire. You know what he said in an interview? I had no idea I had so many valuable possessions. Now, while none of us are probably going to do anything that stupid, I hope, at least nothing that makes the national news, there are the, the valuable things that God has given us. We take it for granted. I think if we really stop to think about all that we have through our Lord, we would be very similar to the conclusion that Mr. Prendergrast came to. And that is, I had no idea. I had friends, material comforts like electricity, running water, how many of you are thankful to have heat this time of year? Absolutely. Food? You know? We have luxuries that other generations never even dreamed of. and We've got them at our, our fingertips. We've got freedom that we're able to, and to have. There's, there's so much that we've been blessed with. We've got an incredible church family. And I think sometimes we take all of these things, or some of these things, for granted, and then you get even beyond these physical blessings. There is so much that God has given us through Jesus Christ that nothing physical in this life can even compare to it. And here's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with everything in the heavenly places in Christ. Everything that we have, spiritually speaking, is because Jesus came as a baby on that first Christmas. I want you to imagine for a moment if God had not decided to send His one and only Son. Think about that for a minute. 
What if God would have been in heaven and said, you know what, I just love my son too much. I'm not willing to let him go through what I know he's going to go through. Or what if Jesus would have said, Father, you know what, I kind of like it up here in heaven. You know, heaven up here, I'm being praised by the angels. I, I like it up here. And the thought of me leaving all of this and going down there to put on human flesh just so I can be murdered, I, I think I'll stay put. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't say that? Aren't you thankful that the Father loved us enough to give us His Son and that Jesus loved us enough to leave heaven to come down here and die for us? And from the very beginning of this Christmas series, I want you to take time today to consider the blessings of God in your life. All of the benefits. In fact, on the back of your outlines today, we've provided a space for you to list your top ten blessings and I want you to take time to fill the put it on your fridge or on your desk or maybe your workstation at work, whatever the case may be. I want you to remind yourself of all of the incredible blessings that God has given to you. Maybe some of you have already done that. Uh, maybe, maybe you couldn't stand looking up at this sweater and so you had to look down and you had to write your blessing. I don't know. Maybe you've already done that. Uh, go ahead and start doing that right now. In fact, can we just get the house lights up just a little bit so that we really consider what are those things, those blessings, those top ten that God has given you. Start writing those down. Because I think when you really start to focus on all that God has given to you, you start to rewire your brains. You start to tr be renewed by the transforming of your mind. You're going to light up at Christmas like never before. You can be transformed Go ahead and start writing those down. Um, just take a couple of minutes and we'll close here in just a second.